0: Imagine, it's Christmas Eve, 1914. You're in France, crouching in a muddy trench just this side of no man's land. It's nighttime, nearly 9 p.m., and you can hear your fellow soldiers up and down the trench laughing or talking or quietly singing Christmas carols. You're not sure what they have to be merry about. It may be Christmas, But for you, this war has been hell. Your peaceful country life seems worlds away, and you're stuck here with the rotting corpses, insanity-inducing artillery fire, and mud so deep it swallows men alive. And to top it all off, your unit's Christmas gift boxes never arrived. You never imagined you'd experience such misery. You're taken away from your melancholy thoughts by the sound of singing. Somewhere, a chorus of voices has struck up a rendition of Silent Night. A panic rises in your chest. Somebody needs to tell those idiots to be quiet, the Germans will hear them. But wait, something's not right. The words aren't English, they're German. In fact, yes, the singing is coming from the German trench. A little ways to your right is a periscope. You run over, look into the viewer. You see lights up and down the whole German line. Little Christmas trees lit up with candles are shining brazenly in the darkness. The Germans finish their song, and after a moment's silence, your own side starts applauding, even whistling and shouting, Merry Christmas. Someone close to you starts a round of the first Noel, and everyone begins to join in. You can't believe it. You and the Germans were trying to kill each other just a few hours earlier, and now you're serenading each other across no man's land. Suddenly, everyone goes quiet. Men close by you begin scampering up the trench wall to look. You join them and see a German commander standing out in the open about 50 feet from his line. A voice rings out from your side, Get down, lads! Now! All of you, down! but no one obeys your own captain's orders. You all watch as he climbs out and begins crossing no man's land. The two commanders meet and talk and suddenly shake hands and seeing this, men from both sides begin pouring out of the trenches, calling out Merry Christmas and Frohliche Weihnachten. They slowly approach each other, beginning to shake hands, show off photographs of their sweethearts and offer each other whiskey or chocolate You can't believe your eyes. How is this possible? In this place of all places, how is a Merry Christmas even imaginable? But somehow, you do feel merry, even a little bit joyful. Somehow, in the midst of all this hell, happiness has raised its resilient head.
1: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the These Days podcast. Ben and Dwayne here. Hello. And this uh, episode will be coming up the day after Thanksgiving. So from both of us to all of you, we would just like to say... (laughs) And
2: if you don't... (laughs) <laughs> if you don't speak Turkey.
0: Yeah. Oh, you, uh, I thought you, you did. If you don't speak Turkey, that's, that's
1: just out. a very happy holidays to you yeah. and yours. That's all That's all that means. In, <laughs> oh, in, my. Uh, that's Boy. actually Canadian Turkey. Is then what, you think yeah, the podcast has dialect. reached a
0: new level today. <laughs> did we just jump today? the shark? We just jumped the shark. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, we're glad you're here yeah. with us, uh, or at least with us in spirit here in the Winter Wonderland Mountain Lodge yeah. as we record this episode. Uh, jumping right in, or yeah, right back into where we left off last time. Uh, talking about the Beatitudes because this season we're focusing on uh, it's the theology of happiness. This this season, so we're talking about what does the Bible have to say about being happy, and uh, we're gonna continue. Actually, we're gonna finish up the Beatitudes today. So, why don't you jump right in? Tell us about that cold open,
0: all right?
1: Uh, that and it was and it was an especially cold open because it was.
0: (laughs)
2: December middle. on the Western and, Front. <laughs> that's
0: right. A really cold open. Uh, in fact, that was a, uh, a story that actually happened. Uh, I believe it was between German and British troops right. primarily. And yeah. you were there, right? Uh, well, no. No, I wasn't. Oh, but okay. uh, My your great-grandfather was over there, but I think he was like three years later after the U.S. got yeah, in. But, yeah, yeah, But, uh, you know, it, uh, it it was a truce that actually happened uh, uh, in the beginning of the most violent century in our history, in the history of the world. Um but a sense you know has become in a sense it's become sort of a metaphor for the possibility of joy in the midst of suffering and you know it's been uh, you know put in uh, to movie form and that sort of thing we'll talk about that a little way later but uh, what we are seeing in the sermon on the mount that Jesus came proclaiming not just a metaphor but a reality that he came to bring light into darkness joy in spite of suffering and peace in the midst of conflict and uh, we ought not to forget that what brought about that story and the connection of that story to the one day that changed the world forever, and that is, of course, the birth of Jesus and what we celebrate at Christmas time. So, the the big idea of the second half of the Beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that's that's the big opening, that's the big start of his his message, and he says so much more after that. But it, it really sets the tone for what he's trying to say. Uh, But the big idea that we're going to be looking at tonight uh, that sort of brings all of the Beatitudes together is that through his kingdom, Jesus offers real freedom to be truly happy, even in the most ordinary or difficult of circumstances. And the thing is, is that's true even for people who are under the boot, so to speak, like we talked about last week. Uh, And to review, these Beatitudes are not, uh, and, and it's easy to think this at first blush when you look at them. But they're not what typically people think. They're not something that Jesus is asking us to achieve or to strive for. This isn't a a new list of how-tos to follow Jesus, Uh, but they are a real-life description uh, of life situations that we find ourselves in, and yet Jesus finds us in those. Even when we're in daily relationship with Jesus, he's, he's calling out life situations that uh, are, are, are sitting there listening to him before him, for example. So uh, you could add to this list the spiritually uh, and sometimes soul sucking situations of our time. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier uh, today about the, the reality of aging and how, what a trial and difficulty that is. And yet Jesus comes into that. Uh, the struggle that makes, uh, you know, to, to make ends meet in your household. And yet Jesus can bring His hope and His peace into that. The kingdom of God is here, uh, is is how He says it. Uh, The distance and the loneliness of a lockdown, like the one we're going through uh, in these days, while this podcast is being recorded, or or the general frustration of what's what's cool to believe in, or you know, being called a nut for following Jesus, Uh, or you know, people looking askance at you. Maybe that's happened to you. It's happening increasingly, uh, but. Uh, that's not. That's been true pretty much throughout the ages. So, but the list could go on and on. But the point is, is Jesus was looking at his circumstances. Uh, just like he did in the parables and pulling out images of real people and real things and showing people how the kingdom of God would interface with them in those circumstances. And the reason it's so important to go back over this and to understand this is because that's kind of the new thing we introduced last week. And we're going to go back to uh, Big D Willie Big D. Yeah, Willie. Is that okay? Oh, say yeah, that? totally. Yeah. I mean Dallas Willard. I mean, I called you uh Breehee Hini Hoo Ha last t- last season.
1: That it's Huey Ha. Hoo-ee-ha.
0: Come on. If oh. you're gonna say my real name, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, if you don't know that's a joke about the horse and his boy. But anyway, uh here's here's what Dallas Willard says about the Beatitudes that I I don't think we should get lost on us. This is sort of his main point in Chapter 4 of the uh, Divine Conspiracy. He says that the Beatitudes simply cannot be good news if they are understood to be how-tos for achieving blessedness, or what is typically called happiness. Uh, I added that bit about happiness. Willard goes on. They would then only amount to a new legalism. They would not serve to throw open the kingdom of God. Any anything, but they would impose a new brand of Phariseeism, a new way of closing the door, as well as very gratifying new possibilities for the human engineering of righteousness. In other words, making up our own righteousness and making up our own morals and saying what we really think should be no matter what God says about it. He's saying if we if we take these as sort of how-tos or or the the goals that Jesus has for our life rather than the situations we find ourselves in and we never made them they never were our goals. See what what Willard is saying here is is so powerful because he's saying that Jesus here at the beginning of the Sermon on Mount is in the early days of his ministry too, most likely, is throwing open the doors of the kingdom of God and letting all of us peasants come running in and and eat the food and enjoy the blessing of being in the kingdom of God. He's, He's opening the doors wide open. So today, in these few minutes, we want to do a deep dive on not only the last four of the Beatitudes, Uh, But also, in in a sense, the the whole teaching of the blessedness that comes out of these eight Beatitudes. Uh, Blessedness in this world here and now, and we will just be honest here, we are heavily relying on Big D. Uh, We're we're heavily uh, relying on Dallas Willard. (laughs) Pages 106 to 107, if you want to check it out for yourself.
1: That's the divine conspiracy, That's right. right. Divine conspiracy, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, not that he only wrote one book.
1: <laughs> right, but yeah. that, yeah. Uh, like we said before, that chapter alone, man, worth the price yep. of the whole book. Yep. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Jesus is saying, we're going to look at the, re- the rest of the Beatitudes today, and Jesus is really saying, like we talked about last time, that in uh, it's because of his presence— And through him, the presence of the kingdom of God in the world, the kingdom of heaven is here, that we can be blessed in circumstances where we would usually think there's no hope. So we're going to actually look at all the rest of the Beatitudes today, because what we are noticing is that they're all just a different window on that same truth, that the presence of Jesus and his kingdom provides a way to be blessed which, as we talked about, that makarios word is is sort of a, a truly happy sort of meaning. Uh, we can be truly happy through the presence of Jesus and his kingdom, even in circumstances that don't necessarily seem like uh, there's any hope in them. So, in picking up in verse 7, Jesus continues his list of blessed. He says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. And um, that one might seem like, oh yeah, merciful, that seems like a very spiritual good thing to practice. Yeah, we should all be merciful. And that's true, but if you think about What mercy looks like in practice, Uh, he's really saying, blessed are the people who let others off the hook. Blessed are the people who uh, maybe are in danger of getting taken advantage of because they show other people mercy. And when we start looking at it like that, we go, oh yeah, that's actually not something the world would say is a blessed state of being. Then he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And again, we think pure in heart, that's good. Nothing bad or ugly in our hearts. Uh, And uh, I actually really like the way that Dallas Willard explains this one. He talks about pure in heart being people with unrelenting standards, where we just can uh, never—nothing is ever good enough, especially not ourselves. We have these unrelenting standards where we expect perfection from ourselves, from other people, and so we become highly critical of others and often most critical of ourselves. I think that's a really helpful way to put it, because we realize that uh, there's there's a sort of ungodly or unholy way to be pure in heart, as well as this way where we actually just learn to love the kingdom. Uh, and so so we see that from a human perspective, uh, being pure in heart can sometimes be a really difficult and destructive way to live, but it says, uh, blessed are those, the, the pure in heart, for they will see God, uh, saying that they, they will finally see something that satisfies their desire for holiness, goodness, perfection, um, and it will be God himself, because God is now here. And then verse 9, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Um, and again, the peacemakers are often the people standing in the middle getting shots fired at them from both <laughs> sides, and he's saying, guess what, that's also what God does, just look at Jesus. where." he's getting shot at from you know his own people as well as from the oppressive romans
0: i was thinking about that one too this is that very countercultural for jesus to get up there and do this i, th- I kind of think he said this i think he said all of these with a bit of a smile i don't think he was flippant but i think he said it with one of those kind of gracious smiles because northern galilee where he was doing this on the side of a hill up northern galilee shore of galilee uh was filled with what was called uh Zealots, which are um, militia movements against Rome. Isn't that Rome. like a
1: Middle Eastern spice that you put on zealots? And... <laughs> no. No, no that,
0: oh. that's... Uh, that's uh, <laughs> Zatar. Zatar, yeah, yeah, that's right. A little oil. Oh, man, now I'm getting hungry. But uh, but the uh, the zealots were just rifled around. In fact, a couple of Jesus' uh, original followers were zealots. And so... When Jesus said peacemakers, they, they weren't interested. The zealots typically weren't in, in, interested in peacemaking. They were interested in busting somebody's chops. So uh, I just think that it, it, there just must have been, for those people to sit there and to come and to appreciate what Jesus was saying and have their lives touched, there must have been some tremendous transformation going on all over the North Shore of Galilee in terms of people's hearts and their demeanors and, and uh, how they, how they, um, how they, uh, you know, just experience what Jesus was teaching here, because some yeah. of those people would have said, "What?"
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: and notice Jesus isn't saying be be less violent, zealots. What he's right. actually saying is, "Hey, those people that we all would look down on, we'd say, but look, we they, anyone who tries the peaceful way ends up just getting railroaded by the by the Romans. It doesn't work, right. yeah. so we got to respond with violence. The peacemakers are just going to get run right over because they're going to get shot at from both sides." And uh, Jesus is saying, yeah, but even those people are blessed because I'm standing in the middle with them, and they will be called children of God, just like Jesus himself, the Son of God. And then he
0: ultimately got run over for all of us. That's actually.
1: right. He, yeah. He's ultimate peacemaker, standing in the gap taking on shots from both sides. And then uh, finally in verse 10, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. And again, Jesus is not saying, hey, you should all go try to be persecuted right now, <laughs> or start to try to think of yourselves as persecuted. He's actually saying... Uh, even when, even when you lose things on account of me, guess what? You still have the kingdom, and that's more than enough. And so Jesus is really just pointing out over and over through all of these different beatitudes how there's there's ways in which we are. Uh, we get stuck. We get stuck. We get run over. We get ca- uh, knocked down. We get sort of ground into the dirt. And yet, the kingdom of God is right there with us. Not somewhere far off, not somewhere if we could just get our act together, we would finally see it. But the kingdom of heaven through Jesus is right there with us. And you'll notice actually that, that uh, in verse 10 Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's also similar to what he said in the very beginning of the Beatitudes when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this is a, uh, a sort of a verbal framing device uh it called an inclusio right yes inclusio inclusio an inclusio uh makes me think of inspector Cluzo. yes yes uh an inclusio is that your dog (laughs) uh and uh basically what he's saying what that means uh is not just that it's you know some kind of nice rhetorical oratory device uh But what he's saying is that uh, all of these beatitudes are sort of framed by those two statements of theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The closeness of and our possession of the kingdom of heaven is actually what causes the blessing. It's not the states of being in and of themselves. It's not being persecuted. It's not being poor in spirit. It's the closeness of the kingdom of heaven. And it also shows us that this is actually not an exhaustive list. Anyone who enters the kingdom, anyone who possesses the kingdom of heaven, no matter what their circumstances are, even if their life is going awesome, ends up stepping into true blessing or that makarios, truly happy, very fortunate status. Uh, So it's almost like Jesus is saying all these illustrations taken together— Uh, there's something here that you need to know if you're going to get everything else that I'm going to say and teach, which is that the kingdom of heaven is here. And because the kingdom of heaven is here, God's rule and reign, his goodness is here Uh, No matter what our circumstances are, however good or however bad, and however much our life is going sideways, within the kingdom and because of the presence of the kingdom, we are blessed. This makes me think of Psalm 16, which is one of my favorite psalms. talks a lot about joy. And uh, in Psalm 16, the very last verse says this. It says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand and so it's saying where god is if i get close to god there is joy there is real pleasures in his right hand and i just got to be in his presence to receive that joy. I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here, uh, and I think he's he's trying to really help us see the uh, the availability and the presence of the kingdom, which actually has the power to transform our circumstances, uh, at least uh, transform the way we experience our circumstances. Here's another quote from Dallas. Mr. Willie says uh, this, he says no one, this is on page 106 if you're following along in your (laughs) textbook, Uh, he says no one is actually being told they are better off for being poor or mourning or being persecuted or so on, or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God or man. And I love that he says that because the Bible doesn't glorify our suffering. Uh, as some people would say it does, the Bible actually says, no, 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 your suffering actually is really hard, and it's not actually what God wants for you in the—it's w- not, it's not what God had in mind for the world. He didn't—it's uh, He. He. It's not something that he thinks or that he wants to have last forever. Uh, but your suffering actually is a really painful thing, and, and let's admit and and like t- treat it as a real thing. Uh, so he says it's not saying you're better off for all these dates. But then he says nor are the beatitudes an indication of who will be on top, quote unquote, after the revolution. So that you know he's not catering to the zealots and saying once I flip things around and get rid of the Romans, anybody who's been poor in spirit or mourning, they're coming with me and they're going to be the elites. Uh, but here's how Dallas Willard describes it. The, they are explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship with Jesus. So Jesus is looking around at the people around him. He's saying, oh, look, poor in spirit. Oh, look, mourning. Oh, look, persecuted for righteousness. Oh, look, all these people around him who are just bedraggled and down and out. He says, by the way, the kingdom is here For you, and as you possess the kingdom, you are immensely blessed and insanely lucky and Mm -hmm. uh, have great reason for true happiness. Then Dallas Mm -hmm. Willard finishes up by saying, They, that is the Beatitudes, single out cases that provide proof that in Him the rule of God from the heavens is truly available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. So when you feel like you're beyond all human hope, the availability of the kingdom actually provides blessing and a way forward. I heard uh, I heard a talk by N. T. Wright uh, recently, uh, where he was quoting a Leonard Cohen uh, oh, really? uh, Leonard Cohen poem yeah. that talks about that actually was talking about Jesus hmm. and uh, and and how when Jesus uh, sort of paint a picture of how Jesus uh reaches down, was reaching down when he was walking on water and Simon Peter started to drown you know you oh, remember that yeah, story yeah. and Jesus reaches out to save him and he said something about uh that that uh, dr- uh we see him best we see his wisdom the best when we are uh when we become people who are feel like we're drowning and in that mm-hmm. moment we go oh he really does oh, yeah. have what i need <laughs> oh like, i really can reach out and actually take hold of his Hand. and i found that to be uh, that was that was uh, the, the the line from leonard cohen actually is uh, and Jesus was a sailor when he walked upon the water, and he spent a long time watching from his lonely wooden tower. And when he knew for certain only drowning men could see him, he said, <laughs> All men were sailors until the sea shall free them. So, what he's saying, what Dente uh, Wright was saying, was that uh, only drowning men could see him. He made a big point of that, saying, When you realize your spiritual bankruptcy, you see just how much blessing Jesus is offering you. And as you give yourself over to the kingdom, you receive more than you could even imagine. So so your circumstances, you're not just back to square one. You're not just, you know, he doesn't just restore what you already had. He actually gives you more than you expected so that uh, in the moment when you feel like you're drowning or those circumstances that are beyond all human hope, like Dallas Willard said, we experience insane blessing in the kingdom through the presence of Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's why I love that last line of that Uh quote uh, from Dallas Willard that you just uh, read before that about, where he says, proof that all these Beatitudes are proof that uh, in him that rule of God from heaven truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope, which uh, really points in the direction of saying that uh, these Beatitudes aren't some consolation prize, like you had a stinking life, sorry, so you, this is what you get. This, these, these are the kinds of happiness. Uh, in fact, uh, I think we could interpret that what Jesus is saying to his followers here, who are, at least I know many of them did, and because of the way you see how they lived their lives and what they went through, uh, with uh, the joy of the Lord being their strength, um, that the happiness that most people experience in this world, the natural kind of happiness, what we normally think of happiness, is just the baseline for this, for these kinds of this kind of happiness. It's just, it's just, that's just the natural and normal demeanor of human beings. But Jesus is saying, look, I can take you way beyond that. I can take you into um, a joy uh, that is way beyond that. And the wonder of this is, uh, it's not, again, we've said this several times, but it's important to say this because it sets us up for what we're going to do as we head up toward Christmas. But it's not on us to seek it. In fact, I love this quote from Augustine. It's been rattling in my brain ever since I read it about a week ago he says, um, he, that is God, gives what he demands. So if God asks us to be joyful, he gives a joy. If God asks us to have faith, he gives us the faith. So he's not asking us to muster up our humility or muster up our uh, mercy or muster up our mourning, muster up whatever, that, that would be ridiculous. Uh, but the, free, the real freedom comes when you realize it's not your job to generate your own genuine happiness. And uh, Jesus is not a self-help God; He is the present help God, uh, I, and I and I and so simply by being near Him and in His near His kingdom, uh, somehow we see the doors opened up to us to enter in, and it, it's a complete different experience for those who have uh, found their way to Jesus and who are Jesus followers. Uh, think back to when that happened for you. Uh, it wasn't it like a. Um, It might not have happened like in a a day or in that moment. For many people it does, but it might have been a few months or a few weeks. But there was a turning point that was clearly a demarcation, a clear change. Like you just saw things in him, you saw things in the Bible and whatever else that just surprised you. And that's what uh, this kind of uh, blessing or blessedness that that Jesus is promising is like. I love the quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, as there uh, is the most heat nearest the sun so there is the most happiness nearest to Christ. And I think that's what he's inviting us into in these Beatitudes. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom gives blessedness even in the weirdest and darkest places, and that's what makes it such a miracle. This kind of blessedness is a supernatural thing. It's, it's a miraculous thing. It's a wonder that people can't figure out kind of thing. And no matter how weird the world gets, or how dark the place is where you are, that can be true for you. That He will uh, bring His kingdom and bring it near. Uh, doesn't mean that it, you know it's all yippie skippy. It doesn't mean that it's all that that He doesn't acknowledge the hurt and the pain. Not at all. But He just doesn't want. He's not going to let it take us down. So.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So all these beatitudes, kind of all of them together, you you think about what is what is the message? And in a way, it's about freedom freedom from our oppressive circumstances but not in the like stoic way where no, nothing affects me i experience you know. i experience no highs and no lows uh, but more like in in a way where where all things good and bad begin to point us back to jesus and uh, the presence of his, of his kingdom among us which is a great cause for great joy uh, so, so uh, our good circumstances and our bad circumstances, uh, you know, we might not enjoy the hard ones quite as much, but uh, they have just as much ability to lead us deeper into the presence of the King and His kingdom. Uh, so, that, that's why these things are such good news, uh, because Jesus is not actually talking about changing our circumstances and making our lives perfect, you know, fixing every problem in our lives. What He's actually saying is, no, this is the world that we live in. And this is how life is in the world. And uh, but in the midst of the circumstances, it's not an escapist reality. It's in the midst of these circumstances you can also have be blessed and have a true sense of happiness. And the reason that's such good news is because if you're told, oh, everything's going to go great in your life and Jesus is going to fix all your problems, it's going to take you about five minutes to realize that's <laughs> not true because the world is still a fallen, broken place. And this side of glory, we still have all these uh, hangups in ourselves and in our lives. Lives that can be so difficult. What Jesus is saying is, I'm here with you through all of that. You know, at the end of the book of Matthew he says, I'll be with you always, even to the very end of time. And so, uh, as we as we learn to lean into that and trust that, and trust the presence of the kingdom among us, we start to have power and peace in the midst of even really difficult circumstances. He's saying that this presence of the kingdom in the world and in a life have the power to Uh, restore blessing to our lives that we were made for, basically create spaces where heaven and earth overlap, and we begin to live in that Eden mentality where we're walking with God in the cool of the day throughout all of our days, whether uh, positive or negative experiences come our way. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't actually change the fact that we are walking through them with God.
0: See, we are in the Garden of Eden, Ben. You, we are. You, you this know is, what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is,
1: I thought it was the Mountain Lodge. This, season. oh, yeah, yeah. This is, yeah, yeah, Winter yeah, Wonderland yeah, Mountain Lodge.
0: Yeah. Well, it just can become whatever you want. Um,
1: yeah. Sort of to make this point really clearly, uh, I thought maybe we could quote some C.S. Lewis. Really? Dun, 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 dun. really, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. I'm, always quote- I'm always quoting C.S. Yep. Lewis. Yep. And I for sure was the one <laughs> to put this quote in the outline. Let me tell you. <laughs> This was this was all hey, me. You're saying it. Yep. And you're I'm certainly it. not the one here who's <laughs> obsessed with Saint Louis. So uh C.S. Lewis says the faint, far off result of those energies which God's creative rapture implanted in matter when he made the worlds are what uh, we now call physical pleasures. I love his description of physical pleasures there. Mm-hmm. What would it be to taste at the fountainhead, that stream of which these lower reaches prove so intoxicating? So he's saying, all the things that bring us joy, what would it be like to to actually taste their source? And yet, I believe that's what lies before us. The whole man is to drink joy from the fountainhead of joy. Saying, all of our dim pleasures here actually point us towards the source itself, uh, which is our destiny, to be... Fully immersed in that fountainhead of joy, uh, so yeah, Jesus does promise to do the miracle of taking us beyond our circumstances, giving us freedom or grace to live into His good news of great joy. It's a little Christmas quote for you: yeah. "Good news of great yeah, joy, yeah." <laughs> even in the Luke midst, too, baby, even in the midst of our difficult, difficult circumstances. So I think uh, as we sort of, actually, as we lead, uh, head into the Christmas season, which now that Thanksgiving is over it's time. Yeah. Uh, I think we can really lean into the fact that Jesus actually does give us grace and power and blessing and joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, but also promises to lead us through and beyond them to to new realities that, uh, you know, he says he'll wipe away every tear from our eye, and he'll do that in small ways here and now, and ultimately in glorious ways when his kingdom comes in fullness and in power.
0: Yeah, that's right. And for uh, takeaways today, it it seems best to give uh, Dallas Willard and the Divine Conspiracy uh, book uh, the last word, uh, because as we turn from the Beatitudes onto some other things that uh, the Bible says about happiness, uh, we'll probably be uh, leaving that behind. But I'm sure Dallas uh, will come back, because it seems to every season we find something we need to talk about from His wisdom. Uh, But here's what he kind of wraps it all up with something I think is really important for us to understand. He says, as already suggested by our reference to, quote, show and tell, unquote, Jesus teaches contextually and concretely from the immediate surroundings, if possible, or at least from events of ordinary life, another time. Uh, Around... Around the simple elements of bread and wine, Jesus conveys the deepest meaning of his death for our new life, quote-unquote, from above, quote-unquote, this is my body, quote-unquote, this is my blood. In other words, Jesus intends to bless you and bless me uh, as we get close to him, as we begin following him. But not because of what we're doing, but because of who he is and what he's doing. And he's going to do it in the here and now, though. Jesus really cares about the concrete. And that doesn't refer to like concrete boots. That's more of a mafia thing. Uh, he's talking about the concrete, this, this, the, the material world in this life where we live. This isn't just some esoteric uh, thing, some metaphysical thing. Uh, and and that, that in your real life that you are living now. So it, the reason this is important is we need to understand that the, the greatest message ever preached by anyone, and uh, Jesus' uh, message, Jesus' sermon on the mount, um, he's not promoting DIY spirituality, you know, do-it-yourself spirituality. He's not, he's not promoting make your own happiness at home, which, by the way, I was thinking about that, Ben. My parents used to tell me uh, in childhood years, which was very common for parents to do so, Make your own fun on a rainy day. Or when That's
1: that. where you got it uh, from. I never
0: told you oh, that. Oh, come
1: on. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you did. Well,
0: let's be honest. It's not bad advice. I mean, maybe I did, but, but this, is, this is a whole different level than advice is what we're trying to say. So he's doing something deeper, something much better. And these people he was speaking to saw it in their lives for the first time. And Jesus was up to soul reconstruction. Uh, in a deconstructing world. And that can't help to bring blessed happiness, insane happiness. Uh, what, was it? what were the other phrases we tried to use? Uh,
1: tr- deeply fortunate, insanely lucky. Insanely lucky. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I was yeah, looking yeah. for, yeah.
0: But uh, that's, that's what he was trying to do. But it was all about re- reconstructing our souls to the way they were meant to be so that we could actually see the reality that he sees. So that's a good word. I think that might mean it's about that time, Ben.
1: Which time is that? Books, Books and, and
0: stuff. stuff. Books and stuff.
1: That's good. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that's good.
0: Um, so you got a book or stuff? Well, I got a
1: stuff actually. You yeah. know that cold open we did about the World War One Christmas armistice? Oh yeah. Great reflection on the presence of joy, resilience of joy in the midst of suffering. And there's an excellent movie. I'm go- I, I promise not to only recommend my favorite Christmas movies every week, but this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's called Joyeux Noël. It is in French, German, and English, and it's about the World War One Christmas Armistice. You mean it's
0: like subtitled or it's dubbed? It's
1: subtitled uh, when it's not in English. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Joyeux Noël is what interesting. it's called. Yeah, it's, pr- it's a great, Very interesting. great movie. There you go.
0: Yeah. We should have maybe subtitled that uh, cold open. Because I spoke a little German in there, yeah. Two, yeah but that's
1: fr- Noël's French. Two words. But I yeah. hope,
0: hope no German. N- there weren't any German listeners that were offended by my sh- slaughtering of their language. But <laughs> I, I have a stuff too. It's an odd one. Okay, okay. It's an odd. And, and we don't have sponsors here on the podcast. Okay, that's not saying we wouldn't. We wouldn't want some sponsor sponsors at yeah, some point. I mean, especially yeah. if
1: they're gonna like provide you know warm beverages for yeah. these
0: cold well, winter nights. That, and that just happens to be my stuff. I have a new favorite coffee. And I'm telling you the reason it's so I see I like morning coffee. I like it strong, but I want it to be smooth as butter, man. I on it on, be smooth. And this coffee, I found, is it. And so I've given you so many books upon books. I thought, well, you know, why not for uh, the beginning of the Christmas season, why don't I just kind of give you my favorite coffee, and you can grab a cup of, of coffee and go read one of those books. And uh, the coffee that I'm talking about is from a company that we might be related to. But I, again, this is not a commercial. I'm just saying... It's brand new, just coming out. It's called uh, the, the company is called Story Arts, S T O R I A R T S dot Story Arts, and uh, they've got three uh, different flavors, uh, three different uh, roasts. And oh, the guy that roasts the coffee is a friend of ours too. He's a great guy. Yeah. And uh, what, yeah. what's the name of your favorite roast that they've
2: got?
0: <laughs> okay, okay. You're 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 trying to man mock me. I can see that right now. But my favorite roast, because it's the two beans blended together, it's a blend, is the romantic blend. And cue the gone with the wind. <laughs> no, theme. no, 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 no. I'm I could go get the fantasy blend in my Gandalf costume and come and really give you a whooping. But now I'm just saying this that uh, you, there's three blends. I think one's the gothic blend, the romance romance blend. I said romantic. It's romance blend, and the um. Even though I am a romantic guy uh, and the fantasy, <laughs> wow! Blends. This is a really
1: extended commercial we got going on here. Uh, I'm just saying.
0: This it's good. It coffee. is good. It's my new favorite coffee. It is yep. good coffee, yep. and uh,
1: yep. we are. Uh, we do have a couple slots still open for sponsors on this <laughs> podcast. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, unrelated to us, anybody that's unrelated to us. Okay. So,
1: so make sure you check out <clears throat> the Divine Conspiracy, especially Chapter Four and Chapter yep. Nine, if you yep. haven't done so already. We and should remember get some the money man- for that too. That's right. And yep. remember the Man Born to Be King, which we mentioned last week. Great thing to read at Christmas time, and just really fun, a fun read. Yeah. All right. Any, anything that, else for? Yeah, well, just thanks season? for
0: joining us uh, today in the Winter Wonderland uh, Mountain Lodge. And um, are those chestnuts roasting by the open fire over there? Oh, I think there might be. Wow, yeah. we better go oh, house mm, Yeah. <laughs> what was that outside the window, man? What's what? What do you see outside the window? There's a little little person in a white smock or something like that. Oh wow! Oh, look! They just came in the door. Oh, Dad, it's a chorister. Oh, Oh,
2: oh King's, it's College College, Choir. King's College Choir. Is oh, yeah. your, wow,
0: the Sound of Christmas. It's there so it is. great. It's so nice of you guys to come. That's awesome. Thanks, well, guys. I, I guess that's you. wrapped. We'll be going for now. Yep, we're for
1: sure
2: going yeah. now.
0: <laughs>